Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Hello and welcome. I'm Alex Grodnick, and this is Moving Up, a podcast about secrets to success, struggles along the way, and life in general. Today we're talking with Frederick, who's the CEO of SecFi, a super cool company of equity experts that help startup employees understand, maximize, and unlock the value of their stock options and shares. Anyway, that's all I'm going to say before we jump into our really interesting conversation. So let's do it. All right, Frederick, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks, man. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, excited to be speaking with you. You're in Amsterdam. Uh, it's yeah, six o'clock at yeah, night yeah. for you, nine in the morning for me, just after Thanksgiving. <laughs> How are you feeling after Thanksgiving? <laughs> <laughs> I'm still full. <laughs> still full. No, no breakfast needed. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, you're the CEO of a very interesting uh, business. We'll get all into that. And I'd love to just start off with early in your journey. You know, did you, when you were growing up, were you an entrepreneurial kid? Did you think you were going to be founding businesses, starting businesses? Do you want to go, did your parents tell you to go work for a big company? Like, you know, where did, uh, where do you start to get the, the inklings of, of who you are today? <laughs> Good question. I mean, I, I don't think I was necessarily an extremely entrepreneurial kid. I don't know. I think you had, you have these kids that would sort of like build a lemonade stand like in front of their home when it would be like warm outside and like make money out of that. I don't think I was that type of kid at all. And at the same time, I don't, I don't think my, my parents told me like, oh, you need to really do that or go in that direction in any way whatsoever. I think, I think they did raise me in a way where uh, I think I was pretty loyal. So when I did my like, uh, like sort of like high school jobs in like a supermarket or whatever it might be, uh, it was, it was most, it was most definitely that I would always work hard, um, and do my best, Wh whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Like it might not be that fancy, but, uh, as long, yeah, I would just do my part, you know? Okay. Well, I mean, work ethic, that's a good quality to have. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> so where do you think that came from? Was that your parents? Was that, did, did you learn that? Was that, was that born in you? I don't know. It's a good question. I'm not sure if you, I'm not sure. I think, I think you learn it. Um, I think you probably get it from your parents in some way or form. I mean, I wouldn't say that they sort of told me to like always be ethical at work. <laughs> it wasn't like that, but I think it was like normal. I think they were hardworking. Uh, and I think you probably saw that as a kid. Um, and that's, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's apparently what you're supposed to do. And I think, I think it's somewhat probably also in you that in my mind, like, um, um, if you think about like being loyal and hardworking uh, and not really caring about like whether it's a super exciting job or not, like, uh, hey, uh, like if you get this task, like just do it really well and try to do really well and try, try to really perform. And then the next thing will sort of pop up. I think that is probably in me uh, in some way or form that I like to like sort of achieve and, and uh, do it well if I get a task. I mean, that's a good quality to have of just not of focusing on what you have to do. 
and doing your best to do that. And then the next, and that will build and the next thing will open up. You know, you, you sometimes you, you can lose sight of that where you're like, Oh, I just like, I want to get this amazing job. And like, I have a crappy job now. How do I get that? Like the way you get that great job is you just do what you have in front of you really well. I think so. And spot opportunities though. I think be aware. So do your job really well and then spot opportunities. Uh, because it's not always just going to be handed properly to you every every next step. So I think it's also be aware. Right. Okay, so Frederick, you go to college, and then what was your first job? Did you spot an opportunity then? <laughs> actually, I think I did, actually. Because here in, um, in the Netherlands, it's a bit more common to straight go after college into, like, graduate, uh, graduate school. In the U.S., it's a bit more common to, like, out of, uh, after doing an undergrad, you go work. Like, here, it's a bit more uncommon. But... Uh, during my last uh, year as an undergrad, I, I actually met like this partner at EY, I think back in the day. And yeah, he just offered me a job. Like, um, yeah, you could, you could go on to school, but uh, I have this amazing opportunity. Why don't you just go this? And I was like, oh, okay, why not? Let's see what happens. <laughs> and I just went for it, which is probably not normal. Not what uh, the most people here would do, but I ended up doing it anyway. However, I think like within like half a year, I decided to like, ah, I'm probably still going to go to graduate school. So I did that half a year later, but <laughs> got some early work experience. Okay. Uh, and what, what, what did you go to graduate school for? Uh, in, um, in business and IT. So an MBI. So it's like close to an MBA program, but um, somewhat more like technology focused. I have a background in computer science as an undergrad. Sure. So was going to getting that, that business degree, that was just something you always wanted to do and you viewed this job at EY as just, you know, a little stepping stone in, in between the two? Or did you go into EY thinking, maybe this will be my career? Maybe I'll, I won't ever go to business school. I think, I, think it's a good, I think it's a good point. I don't think I ever had that dream uh, from that point of view. I think it actually formed whilst I was working at EY. And I was thinking, hey, actually, if I think about what's next, like I would like to go more into business as opposed to purely the technical part. And it seemed like a very logical next step. So I think it wasn't, it wasn't nicely planned out like that. Spotting opportunities, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, everything seems so much cleaner in hindsight. But um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> okay. So so then you go get this business degree, uh, and what happens next? Uh, so what happens next? Yeah. I mean, I I ended up doing um, some research work for uh, CA Technologies uh, and Google. And I actually did a lot of work into crowdsourcing. Um, so this was like 10 plus years ago uh, or 12 years ago. And there were some early paradigms out there in terms of like crowdsourcing and the con concept basically of people being completely somewhere else, like doing tasks of work um, that you would need to get done in a paid or unpaid fashion. Um, and I did work on that, try to figure out like, hey, like how could you sort of like use that in a business context because it's been used in like wikipedia those were like the early forms of like crowdsourcing right like everybody collaborating to build like online uh, knowledge basically but how can you use that in a business concept i think these days like remote working for example is like yeah if i read back my like research work from back then i'm like oh could have been like remote work but <laughs> that wasn't that logical back then <laughs> right okay so you start to do this work for, for other companies consulting and you start to see, oh, maybe there's something interesting here. Where's the opportunity? How can I turn, how can I turn this into something, uh, you know, business-wise? Yeah. I mean, so the, the, the business opportunity, in the end, I never pursued it. So the companies themselves pursued it. They ended up like launching 
a, a business around it, which I think was pretty cool. Um, but I think then sort of like life kicks in. Like I, I, I was in Barcelona back then, so in Spain. Uh, wasn't really like the place I wanted to like build my early career. So that would have been the next step. So I decided to move back to Amsterdam where I'd uh, done my um, uh, graduate degree. And I, um, yeah, to a really good friend of mine, actually joined um, a strategy consulting firm. Uh, so even more into business, actually. So again, slightly more away from IT, where, which I did in my undergrad, and then went into strategy consulting, which was super interesting, like a challenging like work of field to, uh, to embark in. Right. And you get to see many industries and many problems and functions, and, you get, and then you can start to like further refine, do I like this? Do I like something else very specific? And it's like a good uh, jumping off point. Yeah. I think, and I think it's, uh, I think it is like, I think in one of these types of jobs, like you learn so much that, um, by looking at other businesses and, uh, learning from the partners that worked in the firms that were just obviously very knowledgeable and working in the project teams with very clever people. Um, and then just absorbing knowledge and seeing all the different like business problems and companies and how they all sort of differently. I think very quickly, yeah, I got like a very good lay of the land. Things you like, things you dislike. Um, it helps you form your opinion, I think, in terms of like, hey, what, what would I really want to do next if I think like big picture? Because that's still early in your career, right? Like um, there's, a lot, there's, a, there's a lot to do then. It sometimes feels like maybe you're, uh, you're already then like 20 years in, but the reality is if you look at the big picture, you're like very early in your career. <laughs> right. A year in consulting is like, it's like dog years, like seven years, <laughs> seven years of exactly. knowledge. Uh, I did the same thing. I did investment banking and then I like got into this like media entertainment track and i was like oh that's this is so cool exactly like that that's that's what happens right yeah yeah well you have a, a job that has a lot of variability so you get to see you know, lots of things you like and i mean for me it was mostly things i didn't like and i like one little specific thing i was like okay that's more interesting than all this other stuff um yeah yeah okay so as you're going through this like what's starting to rise to the top that that, that, that you're saying frederick this is very interesting to me yeah I mean, so what, what was very interesting to me and what I think like what I like most is like, especially in consulting, right? Like it's all about solving really complex problems. Getting into this, something like new and trying to find a solution in a very quick and nimble and fast and clean way. I really love doing that. But I think the big thing I learned there was that even though I really like doing that, like the, the speed at which things moved was not always the fastest. Like when you work at like big companies, it's sometimes can feel a little bit slow and decision-making takes a lot of time. I always felt it a little bit like you're, you can imagine like this big corporate being like this, this, this tanker ship in, on the ocean, right? And then as a consultant, you sometimes feel like this small tugboat that is trying to push like the tip of the boat, trying to like push it in a 90 degree direction because you want to like shift strategy. But like, yeah, you know how long that will take before this tanker shift ship has basically, basically like moved direction. Um, and your brain can move so much faster than, than, than a company can move. And for me, that led to, at some point, like switching jobs and joining like the, the sort of startup world, which was getting bigger and bigger, like back in 2014, I think it was, where yeah, venture funding was obviously on the rise, especially after like the sort of economic uh, crisis in 2008. I think it took a few years, but uh, especially in those years, it, it started to go really fast. And it felt like, hey, what's, what's happening there? And is that going faster? I think that was the, that was the big next step. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, here we are. I work for a big, slow-moving Titanic. 
right now, and it, it's difficult to move the to move the ball. We've got, I'm, and I'm the guy that's supposed to do it. I'm supposed to be the guy that's supposed to jam innovation through this, you know, 85 year old company. Um, yeah, and yeah, people wonder like why startups disrupt businesses that have all the resources and all the clients and customers and employees. And it's from the inside, it's, it's, it's very clear. You just like a new opportunity comes and you just kind of sit on your hands. It's tough. It's tough to, to change direction of a, of a big move, uh, battleship. Yeah. It doesn't make sense though. Like my, my hypothesis on this is that like a big company has something to lose, uh, because something is already working. Otherwise it wouldn't be around. Right. And a small company has nothing to lose. And so for a big company to be like that devoted and that convinced that this new thing could potentially be way bigger than the thing that already works. And then how to divert attention and like um, actually how many resources to put on one project versus the other, versus the current business versus the new business. It's really tough to manage and, and there's a lot more to lose. And startups obviously we talk about the startups that are successful. Those are the ones that actually make it. That's amazing. But there's way more startups that also try to do something risky, but didn't make it. And for a company, yeah, they, they can't afford not making it, right? But uh, the plethora of like startups, yeah, 80% can, can afford to not make it because there's nothing to lose. And that makes a huge difference, I think, in the, the sort of success ratio for new business for a, a, an, an older company versus a new startup. I think you're right. Very difficult to disrupt yourself. Although you see it happening in the in, in, in my world in the entertainment space now, you know, Disney and these film studios, Warner Brothers, they're taking their movies. I mean, they have to away from uh, theaters and all their all the Netflixes that, that are paying them, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars and saying we have to put this on our own platforms and we're going to lose a lot of money in the beginning and it's going to be really tough. Yeah, Dif difficult business decisions, especially like when you have like quarterly shareholders and revenue projections. And you're right. Yeah. Um those are, the, those are the interesting problems consultants solve. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so as you start to get a, uh, a bug for growth and speed and startups, uh, where, does that, where does that get you? Yeah, it gets me to London. Um, and uh, I, joined a, I joined an earlier stage company, which had about 40 people, I think, at the day, like 35 maybe. Uh, and a good friend of mine was already there. He was there very early on. And I ended up joining as, the, uh, as someone in the business development slash corporate development team. Uh, leading that, uh, trying to like lead new initiatives, new markets, like solving problems, a little bit like an internal consultant. That's what I knew really well. Um, like solve problems, whatever it might be. Um, amazing experience. I think big learning of how the world, uh, like when you don't spend so much time making a decision, uh, which in a big corporate, you would spend a lot of time making sure that you make the right decision. And the startup world, very often you don't make a lot of time, which also leads to like really bad and poor decisions. But yeah, at least you make them often and fast. So as long as you change it quickly, uh, that, that can be okay. Uh, very different environment. A lot of fun, I think as well. Uh, very like-minded individuals that were all like craving growth in some way or form. So it was a, it was a, it was a cool experience and can highly recommend anyone uh, and everyone to do. Uh, it's... Uh, it's invigorating, I would say. Well, it also sounds like you've been very deliberate in your network building because it sounds like you've gotten jobs at EY right out of college and now you're getting this job because you have friends and it's like you're not just like you know, applying for stuff online. Like it, it, these are all coming through you, you know, through your network. It's a good question. I've never applied for a job online. Like there's not a single job that I didn't get uh, through someone 
or a connection or a friend or an opportunity that I spotted somewhere. Maybe the only job that I applied for online was probably back in high school, uh, <laughs> working in the supermarket. Right. Although I would actually, I think I also did not apply online there. I think it was a friend that actually said that I should like also just come in. <laughs> so Frederick, I don't think that's normal. Like, what is it? What do you attribute that, you know, those, these like bonds that you're, you've been able to, to forge? Like, what do you look to there? I don't know. Like, I, like it's, a, it's, it's a good question. Like, I don't know if something is... I would say that more people should experience this as normal, though. Because I think the reality is that you should just ask people and spot opportunities and be like, hey, hey, that's cool. Like, are you people looking for other people, for example? I can tell you one thing, right? Like, and we'll talk about, I think, SACFI in a minute. But, uh, like, yeah, we have a lot of vacancies outstanding. But I always appreciate the people that, like just go on LinkedIn and send me an email, right? You can apply, um, but yeah, just go the different routes. <laughs> like the, it is, you don't just want to be in a pile of resumes. Uh, right. Because everybody looks the same, unfortunately. Yeah, stand out, LinkedIn message. Hey, Frederick, I think what you're building is super interesting. I'm interested because don't you make know, it XYZ. Too, don't make it too like simple, but uh, <laughs> because you, you also get many of those and then it's like, okay, that also doesn't stand out. <laughs> right. Yeah, people can can smell authenticity. You have to have yeah, to, it has to be I real. Think, I think that is the thing. Like uh, authenticity, I think that is the thing. You're, I think you're right. And I think that's how you build relationships too that eventually get jobs. If you're always out there like saying, hey, job, 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 like no one's going to be getting you a job. But if you're out there instead just saying like, hey, how are you? Like, what are you working on? Let's chat about, let's just have a human interaction. And then, hey, something pops up. Oh, yeah, would you mind, you know, considering me for that? And I think it's back to the work ethic and um and uh and working hard i think it's also been people that just asked like hey you should come over um hey you should join or hey you should do this other thing or hey do you want to come do this to, uh, with me for example so i think it's also that right uh, okay so um startup land. you yeah startup, <laughs> startup land. move fast and break things um you alluded to your company secfi is that the next step in the journey here yeah it is because I think like after um, uh, this friend of mine and myself, we were working at this company in London, uh, joined a startup and like a big thing in startups is that compensation just works differently. Um, like obviously you get a salary, right? You get a salary everywhere and you should. Um, but at the same time, there's, a, there's this element called equity compensation or stock options that you very often get in startups. And the beauty of a stock option is that, hey, you get this opportunity to buy a share of the company that you're helping to build at the price of what it is worth today, which is very often not so much if it's early stage, but you can buy it at a later stage when it actually is valuable. And the difference in value between the two can be extremely valuable, um, way more valuable than a bit more salary, for example. And it's a big reason why people work in startups. And it's a big reason why people like yeah, uh, like come into life-changing wealth when they work at the right startup and end up making the right decision um, working at the right startup. So we tried that and that company was not the right startup, but at some point we decided we wanted to leave and this friend of mine left first and yeah, we experienced that uh, stock options, uh, they very often expire when you leave and when you want to buy them, it can become quite expensive. Um, so we need to figure out like how on earth can we like buy the stock options of this company because we didn't have the money for it. And that ended up being like a pretty complex like endeavor. And that ended up being like the starting point of SecFi because SecFi solves this for people. Like what SecFi does is help 
startup employees and startup builders or executives or founders even of companies. And we help them better manage their equity in the, in the startups that they, that they work for. And what we do is we give advice, uh, we give insights on, on what this equity is worth and we give them financing if they need it uh, to be able to buy their stock options or to get liquidity against their shares of a private company stock. And yeah, that ended up being um, a good decision to, to embark on that journey, I guess. Wow. I mean, you're right. As you're describing this, I'm thinking of like, yeah, there's this like huge, opaque, complex market, like behind the scenes. And I have to pay money for this thing. Should I do it? Should I not? Why do I have to pay money for this? Like, when should I do that? Like, there's all these questions that like, yeah, are not common knowledge. I, mean, I went to business school and I was an investment banker and it's still, these are not common knowledge. It is super hard. Like, um, I mean, it, I, I've been like, like uh, knee deep in this for like the past like five and a half years, right? So I, I kind of I kind of get it now, <laughs> but like it, it's like don't think you're crazy if you don't get it because I've spoken to CFOs of like really large private companies that obviously get the majority. Don't get me wrong, like uh, but they don't get the specifics, and it is really hard for them to help individuals like really understand it. And I would say like obviously like. Uh, I think it's I think it's like 98 to 99% of like employees or executives working at these startup companies hardly know uh, what to properly do with it. Like, which seems like a, a crazy number, but it's not. Nobody gets it. Okay, so walk me through how how it works. I'm working for one of these companies. I'm one of the 98% of people. I'm I'm like I'm I have stock options. I don't know what to do with them. I come to you guys. I come to SecFi. What happens next? So there's, there's two things, right? Like, I think the big thing is that most people would do is like they would go to secfi.com and you can create an account. You can select whatever company you work for. You put in your details and you can go into multiple depth layers of how much details you want to give. Like the more details you give, the better the insights you get out of it. The less details you give, the more higher level the insights you get out of it. And the beauty is it will make, like, make it like super tailored and personal. Take into account like anything you believe about the company, it will take into account the cap table of the company, how many shares are outstanding, it will take into account tax implications, and then you can really play around and understand like, hey, what is this thing that I have actually worth? And what if X, Y, or Z happens to the company? What would that mean for me? And what if I exercise this versus what if I wait? And all of these decisions, you can you can start to plan out. And if you then really want to go like uh, the next level, and for most people, this means like, hey, if, if you're if you're making a big life decision, whether it could be leaving the company or it could be exercising because you really believe in the company. Uh, and very often that's an economical good thing to do than exercise if you believe that there's a lot more growth ahead of you. Or if you want to buy a house because you just recently got your first kid or whatever it might be, and you need some liquidity against these private company shares. That's when you can uh, use basically the, uh, the financing platform, uh, which is also online, but you can schedule a call with an equity strategist, someone that is really good at understanding this and helps people like you um, and others like every other day. Um, and you can navigate through your situation and you'll get like proposals on how you could do this, what it would cost, what it would benefit you, how much there's to gain, how much money you could actually get and make liquid for this individual stock. And if you're interested to actually do it, um, you can do it all online. Like uh, it's a very simple process as if you would apply for like a a three thousand dollar like personal loan on uh, on uh, on any of these online lending platforms, like that same story, but then for a highly illiquid stock and amounts that are multiples of that, basically. That's 
so cool, Frederick. And you said this was a great decision for you to start this business. Like, where are you in, in the cycle of the business? Like, how are things going? Like, tell, tell us about the business a little bit. Yeah, no, I, I, I think it's going really well. Like, we're with, we're with about 70 people now in the company. Uh, so we started a few years ago. Like, first, first two years, it's always really about, like, finding this. Okay. I'm saying always, but it's not always the case. Like you have these off companies that end up raising like a $4 billion round after like two months. That was not our story, <laughs> but uh, very impressive uh, by, uh, for, for the others that actually managed to do that. But I think for us, there was a lot of learning to be done in those early, um, early days. And, uh, but I think especially in the last two years, like we have been growing really, really fast. So you probably help about... Employees, I think like about 80% of the US-based unicorns in some way or form. Um, so you name the private company, we've probably helped employees there. And yeah, the company is growing like 3x year over year. Uh, uh, so we're getting, yeah, we're hiring many people, let's put it like that, um, to, uh, to keep up with growth and uh, keep on running. Amazing. And you're based in Amsterdam, but you have offices also in San Francisco? Yeah, yeah. Office in San Francisco. We have an office in New York. Uh, there's also some folks remote, um, so we have a bit of everything. Um, like in these days, like everyone's remote, obviously. Like I'm in the office at the moment, but I think we probably have like three people here, so it's not that busy. <laughs> and uh, I think I think that 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 will also be the future. Uh, like we will always have like a couple of hubs where we have people like associated to a certain office, but we will see a lot of people being remote um, in some way or form. So interesting. Um... So we, we always, we always end the, uh, these conversations with, you know, advice. And as I'm thinking back on your journey and we've had so many topics of advice, whether it's like relationship building or work ethic, but like, if there's something that you tell, you would tell your younger self or a young person, like trying to carve out their place in the business world. Um, yeah. What do you follow your passion work hard? Like, what do you, is there anything else that, that, that you can just glean from, from your journey? I mean, I think I'll take a couple of like stages because I, I would say like what I, what I really valued is that I think that couple of years in consulting for me, I thought that was like an amazing like way to kick off your career. And I think what I've seen with many, but obviously some people have already maybe like are already past that. So then it's hard to like get back. <laughs> but if I would, if I would advise like one of my, like my, my future self, I would definitely say that I do that again. And I would still do it again uh, because I think it was like a helpful learning and a good way to get context of the, the business. I think the second thing is that what I also see with like folks joining in, especially if they're a bit younger, like don't want too much too soon, right? Like there's a, there's a long career ahead of you and there's a lot of value in learning a couple of things and doing them really well. So like there's these base skills, like how to manage a conversation or how to like solve a problem or like these very generic skills that you can learn almost in any job. Um, but when you have the opportunity to learn them, learn them well, because you will leverage it for like the next 20, 30, 40 years of your career. Um, so when you have the opportunity to learn it, even if you think that, hey, this might be the, the most amazing job, like I'm, I bet you, you can probably learn a couple of like really core like competencies or skills that you can still benefit from later down the line. And if you spend too much time not being happy about it and not learning it, I think it's a waste of time because people like 10 or 15 years later do experience, do like expect you to know these kind of things. So that's probably what I would also tell my, myself when I'm back in that, if I would be like back in that part of my career, like stick with it. 
You and Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett says, take the job that you will learn the most, not the one that pays you the most. 100%. Like, uh, if you learn a lot, then the pay will come later. And pay by itself is also not, like, life-fulfilling. Like, um, obviously, you need some pay, but, like, uh, it's better to have a lot of fun and work with great people and work with smart people than... Uh, be miserable and make so, so much more money, I would say. Right. Well, I love that advice, the journey, the story. <laughs> this has been so much fun. So um, just secfi.com, right? Yep, secfi.com. Cool. Uh, um, well, Frederick, again, thank you so much. This was really, really fun speaking with you, and uh, I will talk to you soon. Thanks. Take care, man. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed our conversation today. If you did, please leave us a review and tell your friends about this podcast. Thanks.